So, so this morning, our text is going to be from Galatians 5, verse 13 through 26. And it's going to be a little bit long, like 13 verses seem to be long for our Sunday message. But listen, y'all are reading your Bible, so I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you read your Bible this morning. <laughs> I'm going to help you because I know you've been busy. I know you've been running and you didn't get to read your Bible this morning. So I'm going to help you to read your Bible. Amen. Glory to God. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sister, were called to be free, but do not use freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That word there, gratify, means to fulfill the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desire what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit is and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Somebody say, listen, I know I was in conflict within myself. I just didn't know why I was in conflict. Here it is. The spirit in, and the flesh is at war on the inside of you. Okay, so he said, so they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, oh, come on, somebody, somebody don't like that part. You what? I can't do whatever I want? No, uh-uh. Not if you're living for the kingdom of God. Not if you're working for the kingdom of God. Not if you're working for a crown of life. So let's go on reading. But if you are living by the spirit, you are not under the law. Oh, glory to God. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because God, those laws, whoo, who can keep them? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, my God, listen to all those, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Woo, Jesus. But the fruit of the spirit is love. Oh, now we're getting some good. We're getting some place where we want to hear about the fruit of the spirit. See, nobody want to hear about the works of the flesh. But without, if you don't hear about the fruit of the spirit, that the works of the flesh, you will never, if you don't conquer the, the, the works of the flesh, you will never get to eat the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Oh my God, somebody, here we go again. Mm, God, how many times God he tell us to crucify the flesh? God says daily. I got to remind you daily to crucify the flesh because see the flesh is like this. It gets up today and it says, listen, I want to do what I want to do. And you don't tell me what to do. You got to crucify it again. But God, I crucified it yesterday. Yes, you got to crucify it today again because guess what? The flesh got up with you this morning and the flesh wants to go party and the flesh wants to go here and the flesh wants to go there. But you got to crucify it. You got to come sit before the Lord and listen to what thus says the Lord. So 
Listen to this. So since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit or let us walk in the spirit. One, one translation say, let us not become conceited, provoking each other. And so um, as I read that passage of scripture, I just want to pause for a moment and tell you a story of a young lady who was captured by jihadists. And um, they killed her son, they killed her mother, her mother, and they killed all the Christians in her village in her region of the world. I think her region was Indonesia. And Muslim uh, uh, fundamentalists and, um, invaded her community and they killed her husband, well, her son. They beat her and her husband and so many other people died in the process of that invasion. But by some miracle, her life was spared along with her daughter and her husband. They were all separated though. The child was kidnapped and in a totally different region down where she was and the husband, they didn't know exactly where he was or how he escaped. But she suffered many beatings and dehumanizing things and she was close to death several times, but God preserved her. Her husband escaped, he came back, and he came back with government officials to get his wife and his daughter from that jihadist village. But um, before the meeting could take place, uh, the, 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 the leader of the jihadist group, that there was a, a messenger came from the government and said that they heard that this woman is being held captive there, and they claimed that no one is being held captive. They, they chose to come into their community, and they chose to become a part of their community, and so the government didn't have any evidence to say that they were being captured. I don't know all the details, but um, before she met with, before she was able to meet with the people and the government officials and meet with her husband, the, the, the captors told her that if she go with her husband, she was going to be, they were going to kill the rest of the prisoners that were in the community. And so needless to say, even though she had an invitation and the government came and their husband came and then she couldn't go, she had an invitation to freedom, but she couldn't go because her heart was convicted because of all the other women and children that were captive there in that jihadist community. And she felt like they would make good on their threat. They would kill these people if she chose to go with her husband. So even though she had an invitation to freedom, something was preventing her from accepting the invitation. And so this morning, I just wonder if that is you. I wonder if you hear the Lord sending out a great invitation this morning, but you are not able to answer because something is keeping you from answering. Something is keeping you from saying yes to God. I wonder, can you hear God inviting you to come into his presence you see, we've been dealing with a lot of things this week and it has your emotions and my emotions in chaos are in a state of chaos because sometimes we just don't, we, we want to go just like that young lady. She wanted to go with her husband, but she know that if she went with her husband, the people in the community there, they would be killed because she, she had been in a situation where they had placed all of the Christians in a, in a building and they took gasoline and they gassed the building, but because of prayer, they, they, they didn't, they didn't light the building on fire so this was not an empty threat this was a threat that they he she knew that these evil people would make good on and so she she she, she resorted to staying in a place uh, of captivity even though she had an invitation to freedom and i want to encourage you this morning my message is the great invitation
My message is the great invitation because I believe that there's an invitation of freedom waiting for you. And I, I, I listen, I, I know you might not be able to leave the island right now because something is holding you back just like that young lady. But I come to tell you some good gospel news this morning. You see that young man, when he came back with his with the, with two government officials, he, he, he came, he only had two government officials with him. And, and so when he came and she said, I can't go. And she whispered to him and let him know why she couldn't go. Uh, 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 because there, there was a lie. The devil had, uh, had her bound. But God is saying to you this morning, as I'm standing before you, declaring his truth to you, I am telling you that hall of heaven is backing me this morning. And I'm coming as God's ambassador this morning to give you an invitation to freedom. And I'm not about to leave this island without you because the devil is a lie. Whatever he's threatening, listen, I got the power. You got the power to annihilate his work in your life today. You got to say out loud, I receive the invitation to freedom and I accept. Somebody say, I receive an invitation to freedom and I accept. Say, you might, have, you might have to say that again. You might have to just raise your hand and decree that over yourself. I received an invitation to freedom and I accept. Oh, Shababaha Torosa. Glory to God. You see, when you accept God's invitation, the devil will do everything that he can to prevent you from, from fully fulfilling the, the, the purposes, the plans that God has for you. I don't know if you've been noticing how many emails and text messages that you've been receiving and you've been invited for signing up for this and signing up for that. Well, God is sending out invitations for you to sign up as well. Oh, God is sending out invitation for you this morning so that you can sign up. Sign up for what God is inviting you for. I'm going about to break it out right now and tell you what God, what, why God is sending out invitations for you to sign up. Because all these emails and text messages, sign up for this course, sign up for that one, sign up for this, sign up for that. And, so, and so we're busy signing up for things that God is not telling us to sign up for. Sometimes we got to pray over those things that we're signing up for. And so as I talk to you about this great invitation this morning, I'm reminded of two people are getting when they're getting married and they're uh, they're usually creating a create a, a guest list. And when they create this guest list, they would send out beautifully made invitations. Well, you know, some people are able to accept, some people cannot accept. Because see, in order to commit to go to a wedding, there might be some things that you might have to do. Maybe, maybe you, you first of all, you have to be available on the date of the wedding. Sometimes you already have prior arrangements and, and, and you can't go. And sometimes you're unable to meet the requirements to accept the invitation because there you might have to spend, you might have to travel, you might have to purchase a plane ticket, you might have to reserve a hotel, you might have to drive to the location of the wedding and so you are unable to attend because some of these things are standing in your way and you're not able to accept the invitation oh shababaha torosa glory to god have you ever had the invitation and you're you're pondering over the invitation can I say yes? You know, most of these invitations, they come with instructions. They tell you RSVP by such and such a date. And, you know, you got to consider all the factors before you can RSVP. 
right? And so, because you know they're going to count on, they're counting every table, they're counting every plate. I just recently read something in the news about a photographer that deleted all of the wedding pictures because he didn't get any food. And, and that was because the food was already planned out. And so you see, when you, when you, the, the RSVP is very important because you got to count the table, you got to count the people that are going to be at the table. And so you want to make sure that they are all accounted for. And so in this case, um, God is sending out he, he, your invitation. He's sending out your own wedding invitation because you got to understand that you are the bride of Christ and he is inviting you to the marriage supper, but, and you can't afford to miss this wedding invitation. This is one invitation that you cannot afford to turn down. This is one invitation that you have to accept. There's no other way you have to accept this invitation because it's a turn Turn this invitation down. The alternative to turning this invitation down, it's not very good. I read the end of the book and I saw what happens to the people who do not accept the invitation. So I'm imploring you this morning that God is trying to get your attention. He is arresting you and he is sending out a divine invitation this morning. He is sending out a great invitation this morning and he wants you to accept his invitation. Some of you may still have reservations about accepting the invitation and some of you may not understand the invitation and some of you may be a captive to the lies of the enemy so you have not really accepted the invitation but I want to tell you what this invitation is this morning. This invitation is the invitation to life, to a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. This invitation is an invitation uh, uh, to turn away from the desires of the, and the passions of the flesh. This invitation this morning is to live a life of love and humility. This invitation is an invitation to holiness and righteousness and peace and joy. This invitation is designed to take you out of one kingdom and plant you into another kingdom. This, in the, this invitation, your life is dependent on this invitation. And only those who receive and accept the invitation can enter the presence of God. And this is why we now understand why King David said in Psalm 122, verses 1 through 2, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So David was glad. And this is, the, this is amazing to me because although their feet... Listen to what this, it said. Their feet were standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So although their feet were standing at the gate, they could not enter until they receive an invitation. Oh, come on, somebody. You can't go in. You can come to the gate of the wedding. You can stay right there on, 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 at the gate and you can even look through the gate and see the wedding, the marriage supper taking place. But if you don't have any invitation, you can't get in. So David said, listen, I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord because my feet have been standing at the gate and I didn't get no invitation. But as soon as they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord, I realized that I had an invitation and now I can go into the presence of the Lord. 
You got to understand why King David was so excited because he had received this invitation. And, and, and we're saying, why is he so excited? Because they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. It wasn't until I read Psalm 118, 19 through 20. And let's go there real quick. Psalm 118, 19 through 20. And it says, open for me the gates, open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. Ooh, Jesus, come on, come on, Let, let's unpack that. So David's feet were standing at the gates. And he said, open for me the gates where the righteous enter and I will go in. So he was standing at the gate where the righteous enter, but he couldn't go in until he received the invitation. And then he said, these gates, the reason I'm so excited about these gates is because it leads to the presence of the Lord. It leads to the presence of the Lord. Somebody say this invitation is an invitation to the presence of God. Somebody somebody this invitation, God is inviting you into his glorious presence. And this is what King David understood. He understood that he could only enter by the invitation. So even though his feet had been standing at the gate, he could not enter until he received the invitation. And even when he, when you are invited, there are some things that you must do before you can enter in. And I know some of you are standing at the gate of the presence of the Lord, but just, just like David, it seemed like there was some invisible barrier preventing you from entering into the presence of God. And you can, you you no matter how you pray, it seemed like something is stopping you from entering into the presence of God. And so, oh, Shabbabahando Korobosaya. Oh, Jesus, something. It seemed like an invisible barrier. No matter how much you fast, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you, 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 you turn your plate down, no matter how much you turn away, there's this invisible barrier that is preventing you. But you receive the invitation. You receive the invitation, but it seems like you just can't get in. And so to understand what is taking place, I'm, I'm going to bring you to, I'm going to bring you back to, to the life of Esther, Queen Esther. And we're going somewhere. Okay, just follow me, follow me, stay with me, follow me. We're going somewhere. So let's go look at the life of Queen Esther. We're not going to read everything. Well, I'm just going to go through it. I'm not going to have time to read the whole thing for you. But that might be an assignment for you. I'm telling you, y'all have to read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. So everybody know the story of Queen Esther. Queen Esther, she was a young uh, maiden in the in a, in um, in in captivity. And as she, uh, uh, there was a decree that went out that all the, the young maidens had to come to the palace and one of them is going to be chosen to become the next queen. Short story, you all read it for yourself. So when Esther got ready to go before the king, she was in preparation for an entire year before she could be present, presented to the king. You can read that in Esther chapter two. 
And so as she was, she was invited to go there, but there were some things that she had to do before she could enter into the presence of the king. And so uh, she had to go through a, a year's treatment of being beauty treatments and things that she had to go through before she could, she had to do some preparation. So even though she had an invitation, she couldn't just run up into the king's chamber. She, even though she was on the palace grounds, she couldn't just run up into the king's chamber. And so Esther had to be invited and she had to be prepared to answer the invitation. There are some, listen, listen, there are some things that you have to do to answer God's invitation on your life. There are some things that you have to do in order to answer God's call for your, for your life. There are some things that you have to do before you can answer this invitation. So notice that when Esther went before the king, she prepared, she was prepared and uh, she was dressed and she was ready. She was, she took a whole year of preparation. And then we see Esther coming before the king at another time in Esther chapter five, verse one, we see Esther going before the king, but this was different. This was a different occasion, but Esther was dressed in her royal robes and she entered into the king's court and, 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 and her reason for being there was for pleading for the life of her family and, and her Jewish people because there was a decree that went out to kill her family and to kill her, to kill the Jewish people. So Esther had to go in and plead for the life of her Jewish people. I notice, I want you to notice how Esther got dressed in her royal robes. Esther went before the king. And the third time Esther went before the king, that was, that was the second time. So this time in Esther chapter eight, Esther went, verse three, it says Esther went before the king a third time. This time she knelt before the king. This is talking about humility. This is talking about humbling herself before the king. She knelt before the king in tears, pleading for the king to stop the evil decree. That was the third time. And then the next time we see Esther standing before the king, she was invited. And when she learned that the Jews had, had avenged themselves, he invited Esther, when the king, sorry, when the king learned that the Jews had avenged themselves, he invited Esther in and asked her, what more do you want? Tell me and it will be granted unto you. My God, my God, I feel like God is saying, what more do you want? What more? Because see, this is where you are. Sometimes you have to be invited to come to the king. And when the king says, what more do you want? Tell me and it will be granted unto you. I feel like God is giving somebody a blank check this morning. And he's saying, what more do you want? Tell me and it will be granted. Because see, this time when Esther came before the king, she was invited to come in. She had done some preparation. She had been through some things with the king. And, God, and now the king was saying, what more do you want? But I want you to notice something about Esther. Every time she prepared to go before the king, every time she would go before the king, she would come with reverence. She would come in humbleness. She would come in humility. And so God is sending out an invitation in the spirit. But just like Esther, you got to understand right now that there is a decree. There is a death decree that is sent out against the people of God. But there is still favor and victory waiting for you before the king. There is still victory and favor waiting for you in the king's palace this morning. You are not alone. You are not without help. Oh my God, somebody. There is a decree that is sent out of 
against the people of God. But God sent me to tell you this morning that there's victory and favor and grace and strength and power waiting for you in the king's palace this morning. Oh, glory to God. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we're still blessed. We're still highly favored. We're still full of the joy of the Lord. Oh, God, thank you that you still count us worthy to die for. Oh, my God, somebody praise God this morning. Somebody give God glory. He wants me to tell you that the favor is still on your life. The favor is still on your life. The favor is still on your life. Even though a death decree has been sent out against you and you may be wondering, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? God sent me to tell you this morning that he still favored you. He still loves you with his everlasting love. He's still willing to die for you. Oh, Shababa Sokondo Rosaya. Kasi. Woo. Shendaradabasaya. You got to know how to enter the court, the inner court of the king. You got to know how to access the grace and the favor. Because see, sometimes when you feel like I, God, the enemy is coming me from, coming at me from all, all sides. I feel like, God, where is your grace? Where is your favor? You know, perhaps you're feeling like Esther. Esther said, I haven't been called to the king's court for a long time. You know, so, so I, I don't even know if I still have that grace and that favor on my life, God. God, I haven't felt your presence in a long time. I wonder who I'm speaking to this morning. You haven't felt the presence of God in a long time. You've been praying, you've been fasting, and you've been seeking the face of God, but you haven't felt the presence of God for in a long time. I, I wonder if you feel like how Esther must have felt like, listen, I haven't been called to the, to the king's chamber for over 30 days. Oh my God. Oh Jesus, I feel that in my spirit for somebody this morning. I feel virtue leaving my body this morning. Oh my God, somebody is one wondering if God still love them after what they have done, after where they have been. Somebody is still wondering, does God still love me? I can't feel his presence. I don't, he's not answering. I'm praying, but I see, I feel like there is no answer, but I still see how he's taking me through. I still see how he is guiding me. I still see how he was preserving me. I still see his hand on my life. But I got no presence. I feel no presence, God. Where are you, God? I wonder if that's you this morning, like Esther said. I haven't been called to the king's court for a long time. And perhaps you just kind of feel like you don't have any power to do anything about the decree that has been sent out against your people. I wonder if just like Esther, you've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. I wonder if God didn't just save you to go to heaven. God is saying, I didn't just save you so that you can live happily ever after, not caring for your brothers or sister, not thinking about who is dying and going to hell. I wonder if God is saying this morning, the reason why you're not feeling my presence is because I place you in a place where I'm training you, I'm getting you ready you're in a preparation process and you've been called to the kingdom for such a time
time of this. And because my presence has been withdrawn from you, I'm, I'm allowing you to be developed. I'm allowing you to grow and mature into who I intend for you to be. Because see, the grace and the favor is still on your life. The grace and the favor that I place on you when I crown you my king, my queen, it is still on your life. And God said, I didn't just save you so you could go to heaven. I didn't put that grace and favor on your life so you could go to heaven. God is calling you to reach the lost at all costs, even if it costs you your life, even if it costs you your career, whatever you hold dear, God says, give it up. Because what I got for you is more than what you have in your hands. What if God is divinely positioning you to do things for the kingdom that others can't do? You see, not everybody is called to the same thing in the kingdom. We are all called to the kingdom for such a time as this. But God is sending me to remind you that you have the favor. You still have the king's favor. You're still the king's kid. You're still the king's beloved. You still please him. The reason why Esther received that, that beautiful crown and was crowned the queen it was because she, had, she was pleasing to the king. King. And the king wanted her to realize, to, to have something that said, listen, uh, you are pleasing to me. So when Esther entered the inner court to plead for her people, this was not her first time with the king. Because remember previously, when she went to the, 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 the first encounter, the king, the king placed a, girl, a, a crown upon her head and made her queen. And the Bible said, because she was pleasing to him. He had favored her. So when, es when, the king when Esther went in to plead for her life and the king held out the golden scepter, it wasn't because this was the first time he is seeing this person. You see, I want to remind you this morning that you have something with the Lord. You have favor with the Lord. Way back when you gave your life to the Lord, the Lord said you were pleasing to him and he accepted you in his kingdom and you are still in his kingdom. Know that an evil decree has gone out against you. That doesn't make you any less favored to God. Oh God, Esther already knew. She already knew who she was to the king. She already knew what she meant to the king. He loved her more than all the other maidens that was taken to his palace. So before the golden scepter was ever held out to Esther, a crown was placed upon her head. And I come to tell you this morning, before you seek the scepter of God, seek the favor of God. Before you seek the scepter of God, seek the favor of God. Somebody, oh my God, that's a word for somebody this morning. Before you seek the scepter of God, seek the crown of God. Because God wants to give somebody a crown of life this morning. God wants to give somebody a crown. He wants to crown somebody this morning. God wants me to remind you today that you are still his bride. He has chosen you before the foundations of the world. And before you ever knew him, he knew you. He wants me to remind you today that he has crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies according to Psalm 103 verse 4. And the crown of righteousness, the crown of of mercy, the crown of his beloved. He still sees you with that crown. He said, when I placed that crown upon your life, I didn't take it back. That crown of faith,
favor is still upon you. The crown of righteousness, the crown of loving kindness, the crown of tender mercies is still upon you. God said, in spite of what you've been through and all the lies that the devil told you, God still favors you. Oh, Rosa. Somebody, you got to look the devil in the face this morning and tell the devil, in spite of what you're doing to me, in spite of how you're talking about me, in spite of how you're trying to break me down, in spite of how you're trying to destroy my life, God still favors me. Oh my God. And Esther, she understood this. She understood that even the fact that I haven't felt God's presence in 30 days, I mean, what I mean, even the fact that I haven't been in the presence of God, even though I've been praying and I've been fasting, I've been reading the word, I've been standing the word, I've been singing praises to God and God, I just feel like God, I'm, I'm behind, my feet are still standing at the door, God, and I can't get in, God, I want to get in, but I can't get in, God, God, I, 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 I feel like that lame man that is sitting at the pool of Bethesda, and even though he tried to get in, it seemed like every time he tried to jump in, somebody jumps in in front of him, and God, I, I'm sitting here for 30 something years. God, 38 years, Lord, and God, I just feel like, God, everybody passed me by, God, they just zip past me on the highway, Lord, and God, they just seem like they're just doing well in their purpose, God, but God, what about me? It seems like you have forgotten me, God, it seems like somehow, God, you put me in one of those colonnades in your, pal in your palace, Lord, and, I and you forgot about me, you forgot about me. And that's what the devil wants to tell you, that God has forgotten about you. But Esther understood something. She understood that she, 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 she still had favor with the king. She understood that she still pleased the king. So even though the king hadn't called her in 30 days, she even so, so, so even though you don't feel the presence of God, your faith tells you that I am still the beloved of God. And so you're going to have to get dressed now. Now look what Esther did. Esther got dressed in her royal robes. Oh my God. The Bible didn't say it, but I'm pretty sure that she must have taken that, that crown that the king had gave her. I, I, I know that would have been me if I put on my royal robes. And I, I would have taken that crown and I would have put it on my head. Because when I go to the king, I want to remind the king that, listen, king, you gave me this crown, remember? And you told me that I am your queen, remember? And, 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 and you told me that I have favor with you. So, so, so I'm putting on my crown and I'm going to put on my, my royal robes and I'm going to come. Even though you haven't called me in 30 days. Even though I haven't seen your face in 30 days. Even though I haven't felt your presence in 30 days. God, I know that you still favor me. This crown of righteousness that you have given me. God, you told me that it's still upon my head. The reason why I know it's still there, I didn't do anything to get it and I can't do anything to lose it. So God, even in my sin and my shame and my disgrace, if I would just wash up myself and put on my garments, my, my garments of praise, if I would just put on, oh my God, somebody, oh God, if I would just put on my royal robes this morning, put on my a crown of righteousness on my head. Put on my garment of praise and come and stand before the king. 
even though I have messed up, I have failed, I feel like God is still going to look on me with favor. He's going to look upon me with compassion because I remember it's not my righteousness. It is his righteousness. It is his crown that he has placed upon my head and no devil in hell can take it back. Oh my God. Oh, I want to remind you today. I want to remind you today, you're still his bride. You're still his bride and you have access to the chamber of the king, just like Queen Esther. I don't know what you're going through. What has caused you to feel like God has forgotten you, but I come to tell you, you still have access. I hear some of you still saying, but I can't go in. I can't go in. I see the debt decree, but I have no invitation. I've not met with the king in 30 days. I've been praying, I've been fasting, but I feel no presence. And God saying, yes, you can come in. You don't have to wait until you start feeling something. God said, I'm coming. I'm coming. Oh, God said, prepare, prepare. See, the problem is in the preparation. You have the invitation. You feel like you have no invitation. But the problem is there's a preparation process that goes with the invitation and nobody wants to do the preparation process. Everybody wants to grab the invitation and run to the palace. And do you know that there's a part in the, in, in the book of Esther, it says that uh, uh, nobody was, able, no, was, was allowed to come into the king's court in mourning clothes. You have to be dressed properly before you can go before the presence of the king. And God is saying this morning, enter into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with praise. You see, when you put on your garment of praise, you are, you are praising God in spite of your situation. When you put on your crown of righteousness, you're, you're saying to the devil, listen, devil, I don't know. I, 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 I know that I've messed up. I know that you're trying to hold me captive to your life, but God has given me a crown of righteousness and it gives me favor. So therefore, when I feel like I, I can't feel him, I'm just going to put on my robes of righteousness. I'm going to put on my, my, my garment of praise and I'm going to put on my crown of uh, 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 favor that the Lord has given me and I'm going to go stand in his court and if I perish I perish and if, oh my God somebody you got to get to that place this morning where if I perish I perish and some of you are saying I have never met the king mm. and so oh God the invitation. You see, the first time when Esther met the king, this was when he, when she received the crown, when she received the salvation. This, the first time you're going to ever met, meet King Jesus, he's going to give you a crown of salvation. He's going to give you a crown of righteousness. So for those of you who have never met the king, because see, I'm, I'm trying to tell you about four different meetings that Esther had with the king. And the first one was a, was a salvation meeting for you when you meet King Jesus. Jesus, you're going to meet him and receive a crown of life because he's saying all day long, I am holding out my hands to you. The invitation is still extended. God is still searching the province for maidens who is inviting to his palace to audition to become his bride. God is still looking for people who are willing to answer the call of God and say, yes, I will lay down my life. And I will accept your life. I will take up my crown. I will follow you. You see, everybody wants what Esther got. They want the prom. They want the promise of up to half the kingdom. 
But listen, when you went, you got to understand that before Esther received the promise of half the kingdom, she 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 had already uh, uh, met with the king and she had favor with the king. So uh, so so the, the the reason why we can't get half the kingdom is because we haven't met the king yet and we haven't received the crown yet. We got to get the crown before we can get the scepter. You got to meet the Lord. You got come on, somebody. If you never met the Lord this morning, hang with me. I'm gonna show you. How exactly how to meet him because God said the invitation is going out for whosoever will whosoever will and this is one invitation that you can't afford to turn down you got to answer this invitation because God says I am in it and everything that you want everything that you desire it's in this invitation but you got to answer this invitation you got to accept this invitation and you got to be willing to do whatever it takes Whatever it takes, are you willing to go through the process? Are you willing? You know, I, I, I listen to young people nowadays, some of them, it, it's like 12 months is too long to date. 12 months is too long to prepare for a husband that you've never met. Because remember, Queen Esther never met the husband. She was being prepared to go meet the husband. She didn't know if she, if she was going to love him. Now some of y'all, oh, I don't love him. See, Esther had Esther's life had a greater purpose. Sometimes your life is going to have to be a greater purpose than your self-gratification. Because when you talk about, oh, I'm marrying for love, it's uh-uh. What's, hide, what's hiding behind there is that self-gratification. Because see, many of you are waiting for Boaz, but you're not prepared to meet Boaz because you're not willing to go glean in the field because you feel like you're above that. Oh, Lord Jesus, let me come off of that one. Oh, my God. God said, talk about it some more. Okay, let me talk about it some more. So, so, so you're waiting for some good, you're waiting for the, the right husband. You got to have the car. You got to have the house. You got to have the college degree. You got to have this and you got to have that. You are not willing to get it, to roll up your sleeves and get in that field just like Ruth had to do in order to meet that, to meet Boaz. You see, you, you don't, you, because you think that that's a below you. You, 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 you can't help prepare the college papers while he's going to college. You can't help, you you know, keep him comfortable while he's going to work and putting food on the table because he's supposed to have it all. This is what's wrong with us women today. Some of us women, we can't meet the right man because what we're looking for is we're looking for somebody who have it all. And God said, no, you got to roll up your sleeves. You got to be prepared. You got to, Esther was in preparation. She didn't know nothing about this man. I wonder if that's you in preparation to meet your future spouse and you or maybe it's a woman maybe it's not maybe it's not a man oh god maybe it's not a maybe it's not a man that you believe maybe maybe a man is believing for a woman but you're not you're not prepared you're not ready for a wife you're not ready you're not ready to be husband material because everything about everything is about you. What about me? What about me? What do I want? What do I, what do I get out of this? What am I putting into this? And what am I getting out of it? Cause see for you, it's all about your get. It's not about your give. Oh my God. I better come off that one. Cause that's not on my topic this morning. You see while you're preparing to accept your invitation is not a passive thing. God wants you to prepare. Yeah, I had this, I had this uh, a vision. I, it's kind of like a, well, I'll give you the short version. So the, the, it, it's a dream actually. And I dreamt that I, I saw this uh, well-dressed uh, bride and well, 
I wouldn't say that she's well-dressed. The way I see her is she was dressed in a wedding dress, but then another wedding dress was being put over her wedding dress that she already had on. The people were already sitting, seated in the church and they were waiting. The flowers were there and everything. And then I see the bride, but she looks so disheveled and she was wearing, you know, like they put on another wedding dress on top of the wedding dress that she was already wearing. And so this just look, it, she, she, the dress looked creased, it looked stretched, it looked, it didn't look right. So she really looks uncomfortable in the dress. But, um, but anyway, she was still ready to go to the altar in the way that she was dressed. But when she went, she actually went into the church, but there was no groom there. And so uh, she called the groom on the phone and she's asking him, where are you? And he told her where he was. And he said, uh, 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 and she said, well, you're not going to get here in time uh, for the wedding. And so the wedding had to be postponed because the groom was not present. But in this dream, I could hear the groom talking to her and telling her that he is still coming. He is still coming to marry her. He is on his way, but it would take some time for him to get there. And so um, she was upset. She canceled the wedding and told the people to go home. And there's all kinds of things that you can draw out of this dream. And the groom was not refusing to marry the bride. It was just that he, he was still on his way. He didn't come yet. Then the two wedding dress could mean that the woman, the, the, the bride was still married to something else. And, and, and she, she, she was trying to marry the Lord with, even though she was still married. And see, you got it. Went, uh, there's a scripture in, 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 in Romans. I think it's in Romans where it says that you got to divorce yourself from the things of the flesh before you can marry yourself to the spirit. And so I feel like that's where the body of Christ is right now. They are not divorced from their own desires, their own needs, their own wants, and they're coming to God in the way they are with their own. Can you imagine if Queen Esther would have come in with her dress that, that her uncle bought, her, her uncle Mordecai bought her, and she's like, listen, I want to wear my own dress, and I'm not going to take my dress off, so you're just going to have to put that dress over top of my dress if that's the way the king wants to see me. Can you imagine? If Esther would have done something like that, you know, so uh, that's what we are doing as a body of Christ. We are coming in with our mess. We're not willing to lay down our own things. We're not willing to get undressed before God. We are not willing to peel off all of our things that we carry from the outside into the palace because by this time Esther was at the palace being prepared. But the problem is Esther had to let go off of everything, even her identity, her, 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 her native roots was hidden. She, that, that couldn't be talked about. See, 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 when you come to accept the invitation of God, you got to come, you got to come in and be, be, be willing to be stripped of everything that God wants to strip off of you. If God wants to strip that husband because he wasn't right for you, then you got to let God strip him. If God wants to strip the wife and God wants to strip the family, whoever God wants to strip, whatever God wants to strip off of your life, you got to be willing he told Abraham, leave your family. He stripped Abraham of everything. Leave your family and go to a place that I will show you.
Abraham was willing to be stripped. You see problem with some of us, we're, so, we're still holding on to our old wedding dress because we're still married to our flesh. We're still married to our pride. We're still married to the things of this world. And we're trying to put on the wedding dress of the Lord. And God says, you can't marry me because I can see, I can see that you're already married. And so I'm still coming to marry you. But remember, I'm coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And the reason why your wedding dress is so wrinkled up is because you have another dress underneath it. And I need you to take off that dress and put on the dress that I gave you. Put on the dress. Oh, put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of righteousness. I find this. Generally, when God invites you to do something, it is difficult sometimes when god invites you to do something sometimes it will take you to places that you do not wish to go remember he told peter he said when you are old someone else will put on your clothes for you and take you to places where you do not wish to go and um you know i i've been searching that translation and i haven't come across it yet but there's something in my spirit that tells me that word old doesn't mean old it means that when you are yielded to god when you're when you're not using your own strength you are able to you know god is able to dress you and take you to places that you usually don't want to go like that young lady who who, who was in the who, who they burned her village and, and killed her son and killed her mother she wasn't when she signed up to be a Christian she didn't sign up for none of that but because she was a yielded Christian God took her into places that she did not wish to go oh Shaba behind the and so I find that when God invites you to come into his presence there is two hurdles that you have to overcome you got to overcome your will and I broke out the will like this the will represents the flesh and your pride and then you have to overcome the will of the devil. And so Esther had to overcome all of those things in order to enter into the king's court. And you can overcome them too. So, so let's go now to look back at our scripture real quick and then we close. Because see, I told you about Galatians 5, but I didn't break it out for you. So in order to answer God's invitation, you must first accept what you're called to do. So in Galatians 5, it says, you are called to be free. You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather walk by the spirit. So here it is. God is calling somebody, he's inviting somebody to freedom. That's the call, right? And he says to walk by the spirit. And, I, and he said, I, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So, 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 so now I'm telling you the reason why God is calling you out. He's telling you that there is freedom right now. You're thinking that you're free and you, and that's why you don't want to let go off of your, 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 your old marriage dress because you like your old marriage dress. And God said, but what I'm trying to give you is completely free. If you try to put on on top of what I put on, uh, 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 uh what I'm giving you on top of what you already have, there's no freedom. So here it is. He's saying the way to put it on is to walk by the spirit. 
walk by the spirit because he said the spirit and the flesh they are contrary to one another so you cannot keep on the the the, the married uh, uh, dress of the flesh you have to get rid of it because why do you have to get rid of the married dress of the flesh because he said the, the spirit and the flesh they are contrary to one another and there is a conflict when you try to put on those two dresses together there there not there now is a conflict within you and so you are not able to do what God has called you to do you're not able to find pleasure with God because the reason why you can't you can't find any pleasure with God is because you're still married to the things of the flesh and so God said for me to tell you just to list them because I, I can't tell you what's in your life he said the acts of the flesh they are obvious sexual immorality if that's you you need to stop it because you're not going to get no favor of God you're not going to get no presence of God if you're acting in, in, in sexual immorality impurity you know what are, what are the things that you're thinking and what kind of lifestyle you are living are you in friendship with the world what kind of unholy thing are you doing debauchery idolatry witchcraft you see some idolatry right there you might say i don't have any idols in my house but what are those things that are mental idols for you i remember one time the lord told me that my lifestyle was my idol because see there are certain ways that i there are certain things that i like and there's certain way that i like to live and like to present myself to the world that can become an idol oh god you better search your heart and ask god to tell you where those idols are hidden in your heart witchcraft hate uh, discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambitions these are all workings of the flesh and you see those selfish ambitions my god my god sometimes we think that we are serving god using our own selfish ambition we're saying god look at me i am doing this i am doing that and it's our own selfish ambitions because we want we desire to be recognized we desire for to feel important we desire like uh, somebody need to look at me and say i'm important let me tell you something about charmaine i am not important i don't desire any kind of recognition i don't want nobody to see me as nothing as i stand before you don't have to call me pastor you don't have to call me prophet you don't have to call me nothing because in the as the way how i see myself i see myself as nothing and that is one of the reasons oh you see when you have too much self too much flesh flesh wants to dictate to you and flesh wants to tell you that you are something you are this no 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 god don't want none of that god says come to me in total humbleness total humility selfish ambitions dissension factions envy drunkenness all of these are works of the flesh and he said i warn you as you as i did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of god those who, who live like this cannot go inside of the gates their feet will still stand outside of the gates they will watch everybody else enter and they will not enter because they cannot get in the gate. You got to strip down to nothing in the kingdom of God. We don't understand that these are some of the things that keeps you from entering. God says no flesh, no flesh, no flesh is going to glory in his presence. So you must prepare to accept the invitation of God by crucifying the flesh. Crucify the flesh. Amen. Crucify that flesh. It doesn't want to be crucified, but God said crucify it, kill it. 
Because to lose your life, you shall find it. I know I'm not telling you to go out there and commit suicide. Don't do nothing stupid like that. I'm talking about when you feel like you want to get into some sexual immorality, you got to tell that flesh, listen, devil, I am bought with a price. And the price that God pays for me is too much to get drunk. It's too much for me to get jealous of other people. It's too much for me to envy other people. It's too much for me to sow discord. It's too much for me to gossip and malice. It's too much for me to hate. God. God paid such a price that I shouldn't hate, I shouldn't malice, I shouldn't cuss people out. God Almighty paid such a price for me. And so God said, I, I want the invitation is to turn away from those things. Turn away from those things. Because see, see, the next part of the verse, it says, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the thing that keeps us from uh, 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 accepting God's invitation is our pride because in order for us to humble ourselves in love, we have to put away our selfish pride. Pride, oh God, that nasty word. Pride. And so I told you I broke out the will into the flesh and the pride because see the flesh wants the flesh things, right? But the pride is more, it's different from the flesh because the pride is more of an attitude, it's a way, it's a how you see yourself. It's a, you're unyielding, unbending. You know, you kind of think that you know, you know, and, and, and you, you're just failing to do, to, 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 to recognize that uh, uh, you're operating in pride. Pride is one of the killer because it is subtle. You, it's there and you don't know that it's there. So you got to pray and ask God, God, is there any pride? Expose the pride of my heart because some, because God, I don't know why I'm not able to access your presence because God said he resists the proud and he give grace to the humble. So if you want to access the presence of God, you got to get humble. You got to come, you got to come down to nothing. You got to strip down to nothing. You got to be willing to come down make the sacrifice come down i don't know how some people think of themselves like they're so holy they're so righteous they're so good and then other people they, you see those other people that you're looking down on those are the people that are your neighbor that god said for you to love them and you're not loving your neighbor as yourself so if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, you're walking in pride because you feel like you are better than your neighbor. You're better than that one. Listen, don't see, listen, if, even, if, even the beggar on the street, you know better because see, if the beggar on the street loves God, when you all get to heaven, there's not going to be a hierarchy and, and, and the beggar is going to be better or, or, the better or the rich man is going to be. Listen, when you stand before God, you're not going to be your majesty. You're not going to be, you're just going to be you. So don't try to look down on your neighbor. You can't love. That's pride. Pride, pride causes you to not able to love your neighbor as you should love yourself. So we have to give up. Sometimes in order to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we got to give up our right to be right. We got to be willing to accept the wrong even when we are right. You know, we have to be a, we have to be willing to be decreased so that Christ can increase in us. We must stop thinking so highly of ourselves because pride caused you to question the instructions that God gave you in, on your invitation. Pride will cause you to say, you know, I, I, I can't crucify the flesh. God, I can't, I can't, I can't turn the other cheek. I can't allow people to talk about me. I need to defend my dignity. I need to defend my honor. Pride. Pride will cause you to defend yourself when Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Pride will cause you to refuse 
to crucify the flesh because you think that you are better than this. You remember that 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 leper when King El I'm sorry when Prophet Elisha told him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. He said, "What am I a dog that you're telling me to go dip in the dirty river seven times?" Pride. See, pride will prevent you from answering the invitation. The invitation was for that leper to be healed, to be cleansed, and he had to go dip in this dirty river. And because he was so prideful, he didn't want to do it. But you see, what happens was when his desire for the healing was more than his pride, then he went and dipped in the river. And so some of you are holding back because of your pride. And the last thing I want to share with you is that the enemy, opposition, He's going to try to keep you from answering God's invitation. He's going to fight you. He's going to attack you. And that's where we are today. Many of you are feeling the attacks of the enemy because the, the, he's, been, he's been attacking. He said, listen, he says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will, be, you will destroy one another. Whose job is it to bite and devour one another? That, that's the devil's work. So he's going to use people. And how does he use? He is same way God used people. The devil is using people. So Satan is going to use people to bite and devour one another. The devil is not doing the biting people. People is the one that is doing the biting, but the devil that is inciting them against each other. But God says we should be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven us. So stop biting and devouring. And the other thing that the devil used to, to, to dissuade you from answering the invitation, sometimes he, he, the invitation may come and it's in your mailbox for some couple of days, some couple of weeks, and you don't know that it's there and you can't answer it because you don't know. So the devil likes to use ignorance when you don't know, when you don't know. And so God is sending me to tell you this morning that there is an invitation for you. There is an invitation for you to come into the kingdom of God. There is an invitation for you to, to, to find your and fulfill your God-given purpose. There is an invitation for you this morning. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning what the enemy is doing. So I am here to stand before you as a messenger of God and declare to you that God is inviting you to come into his kingdom. God is inviting you to take up your cross and follow him. God is inviting you to lay down some things in your life and he's inviting you to come into his presence. He said, listen, a season of power is coming. And some of the thing, another thing that the enemy used to keep you, he said, listen, if you found out that God has invited you to a season of power. If God, if you found out that God is invite, God is not mad at you and God wants you to come into the palace, the devil will try to bring all kinds of deception, frustrations, distraction and discord and, and roadblocks and confusion and accusation. He'll bring all these kinds of things to dissuade you from answering. Because now that I'm telling you that God is inviting you to his holy presence and, and that he's inviting you to a life of, of power in the spirit, uh, uh, um, now, now the enemy is going to try to bring frustrations, distractions, and confusion to keep you from actually doing the things that you are invited to do in the kingdom of God. So you hear, you understand, you accept, you went through, you're going through the preparation process, but the enemy is fighting you. He's trying to stop you. He's bringing all kinds of overwhelmed uh, frustrations and being overwhelmed and being confused so that you don't understand what it is that God has called you to. And then if you fight through all of that and you come out to, to be something or do something for the Lord, then he sends persecution. 
<clears throat> but I got, still got some good news. Jesus said in John 16, 33, said, I told you these things. And listen, I am telling you these things as a representative of the Lord God Almighty. I am telling you these things so that he, he said, he said, he said, I'm telling you these things so that in me, you may have peace, peace. Even when the enemy is launching confusion and frustration and everything against you, he said, have peace in me because in this world, you will have many troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And Revelation 77 verse 14, he says, these are they who have come out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So I want to say to you that if you're going through some great tribulations, keep on going. Don't give up. Don't stop. And don't, don't say that, God, why me? Because see, there's coming a day when you're going to hear these are they. These are the ones that come out of great tribulation. You see, when I get to heaven, I, there are some people that I don't want to stand before them because they have gone through some tribulation that I've, I've only read of, I've never dreamed of, I've never gone through. And so you see, you don't want to go through anything to accept the invitation of God, but there are some people that, have, that are going to, going to come out of great tribulation. They are going to overcome the thing that came to overcome them. And so the only way to answer this great invitation this morning is to be willing to go through great tribulation. The only way to answer God's invitation this morning is, is, is through the spirit because a spiritual invitation requires a spiritual answer. You cannot answer a spiritual invitation with, with a fleshly prideful answer. So Apostle Paul go back again and he told us in Galatians 5 verse 16 through 17, he said, so walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh is contrary to the spirit. And he told you what the fruit of the spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's, for, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so if in your life you're seeing that you're not displaying joy, you're not displaying peace, you're not displaying love, you're not displaying patience, you may need to go back and, <clears throat> and look at what, how you're living your life and see if this is the thing that is preventing you. Remember, you still have the crown of favor. You still have those royal robes and you can put them on anytime. But see, you, you got, you got to Find out what is the thing that is keeping you standing in the court of the, in the outer court when you're supposed to go into the inner court. What is the thing that is keeping you from accessing, answering, from going in to the house of the Lord? What is that thing? And the last thing I want to tell you is that it is very important for you to answer the call of God. Why? Because in Revelation 2 verse 10, it says you will receive a crown of life. In Revelation 2, verse 7, it says you will get to eat from the tree of life. In Revelation 3, verse 21, it says you will get to sit on the throne of our Savior. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing in this world that's, that, that's more important to me. What in this world will you give in place of receiving the crown of life? What in this world is more important to you than being able to eat from the tree of life? Remember, Adam and Eve was in the garden with the tree of life, but they didn't get to eat from it. If we overcome, if we accept God's great invitation, we get to eat from the tree of life. Let us pray. Oh, glory to God. 
Hallelujah. Father God, I've given your word just the way that you have given it to me, Lord God. And Father God, I know that it is not me. I have nothing, Lord God. Lord God, it is your power. It is your grace. It is your spirit, Lord God. For Lord, your word says the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So I pray right now, Lord God, that as I spoke your words, Lord God, somebody heard those these words, Lord God, and somebody's lives are changed, Lord God, because I've spoken your word. I have declared your truth in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, that they are set free, Lord God, to glorify your name. Lord, I thank you that they are able to answer the great invitation, Lord God. I thank you for the grace that you have placed upon their lives, Lord God. That, Lord, they will not only be able to accept the invitation, Lord God, they will be able to be prepared and be ready to walk into the next season of their lives in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord God, that you still favor us, Lord God, in in spite of what we have been through, in spite of where we have been, Lord God, you still favor us, Lord. So God, we thank you today for the great invitation. We accept, Lord God. We accept your gift, Lord God. We accept, Lord God. Now God, give us the grace to go through the preparation process. Give us the grace, Lord God, to enter your presence in the name of Jesus. And we glorify you, Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Listen, I never want to end one of these messages without giving you the great invitation. The great invitation is the invitation to salvation. If you never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, today is your day. You cannot listen to a great message like this where the God is inviting you. He's telling you, I am not mad with you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't even care who you did it with. That's what God is telling you. You know what God cares about? He cares about you turning around, hearing the call. Just picture yourself walking down the wrong road. You didn't even know it was the wrong road. And then... A messenger from God came and told you, you're on the wrong road. God said, what you're looking for is in this direction. So turn around, turn around. And as you turn around, God says, I'm putting on your head a crown of life. And I'm going to enable you to eat from the tree of life. I'm going to bless you abundantly, but I need you to turn around. If that's you today and you never gave Jesus your life and you want to turn around, this is the moment. This is the time. Don't wait. Don't, don't wait to accept the invitation. Don't put the invitation down on, on the shelf and say, I'll wait. I'll I, I pray about it and see if the, no, no, no. This is the right thing for you. It is the right thing for you because there is no other way. There's no other name given under this heaven by which man can be saved. So this is the right thing for you. And you don't have to wait until everything is good in your life. Some, some, somebody, or you might be saying, I'm waiting until I'm married because I'm, I'm shacking up right now and I'm not living right. And I'm waiting until I'm able to, I'm able to get married and, and do the right thing. No, 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 don't wait for that because that may never happen. But you see, if you come to God just as you are, God will enable you to get married at the right time. Come to God just the way you are. And allow him to take off that old wedding dress. Don't put on his wedding dress over your old wedding dress. Come to him just as you are. 
allow him like the, the, like the eunuch. The eunuch had to take everything out of Esther's life so that she could put on this brand new dress. And that's what God is giving you this morning. Will you say this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again after the third day. And I believe that you ascended to heaven on high. And I believe that you are making intercessions for me, even though I am still a sinner. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for making a way for me to come to your palace to find favor with you, Lord. God, I accept. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to live for you. Guide me into your truth. Guide me into the path of righteousness. Lord, place a crown of righteousness upon my head today. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that if you just prayed that prayer, you've been born again into the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to encourage you to find a good Bible-based church to go to. And we meet every Sunday at 11 o'clock. Listen, I do these meetings just for you. So if you don't have a church, a home church, and you feel like you want to make this uh, a, a virtual home church, that's good. I, I encourage you to do so. But I also want to encourage you to get connected with like-minded believers that can help you grow in your newfound faith in God. And if, if you don't have anybody around you and you feel like, I want to be, I want a little bit more in depth. Uh, listen, we have a Bible study and a prayer meeting every Tuesday night via Zoom. And so no matter where you are in the world, you can, you can access prayer with us and Bible study. So if you'd like to have that, definitely inbox me uh, and I will send that information to you. Amen. I don't make that information public because sometimes you get all these, uh, you know, there, yeah, people will be people. Okay. So if that's you and you're interested and you want to be a part of learning how to grow in grace and strengthen the Lord, inbox me and I will send your information to be able to access via Zoom. Amen. God bless you. Now we come to another part in our service. I always ask that, you know, give something to the Lord. If you don't have anything to give, listen, freely I receive and freely I give. But listen, some, sometimes when you receive a message like this and you don't give something, it's like you, you don't value it. You know, if you can't give anything, let there be no condemnation to you. But if you can give something, give unto the Lord because it takes money. It takes money to do the work of the Lord. And so, you know, when God sent out the disciples, he told them, he said, don't take any money back with you. And, it, you know, whenever whoever gives hospitality to you, receive it gracefully. And so that's what I'm asking you to do today. If this message has spoken to your heart, has been a blessing to you, give something to the Lord so that we can continue to share these messages week after week. Amen. God bless you, and I'll see you next Sunday. Amen.